Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. I'm so grateful for everybody. I am grateful for those who are watching online. We're excited to be celebrating with you guys on today. For those of you who don't know, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to know now we have officially opened the building of our services. Amen. We have officially opened the building of our service. We're encouraging people uh, to wear masks while worshiping with us here at Believer City. Uh, We want to encourage you. uh, If you don't want to wear masks, I'm not upset with you. I just encourage you to sit towards the back of the sanctuary versus towards the front of the sanctuary we're encouraging people to have enough space in between them and another and other families to make sure that they are uh practicing social distancing all of those things we're encouraging uh and, and we want to give you the opportunity if you don't have masks we have masks here waiting on you so feel free to come in the future um we wear masks to work we wear masks to grocery stores i don't know why we can't wear masks to church uh, i want to have people involved in worship let's not have an excuse why we won't we do not want to give god the praise amen and so i am a grateful listen i dare not uh, invite people into our house without saying good morning so i know that we have great new guests in the building on today so we say good morning to you for worshiping with us i was looking online i see sister nakia is online worshiping with us on youtube i see sister karen and a few others are on youtube worshiping with us let me flip this thing over to facebook right now look like we about 15 deep on facebook already like this share this I can't go through all these names. It's good to see you, Jada. It's good to see you, Sister Cynthia, Sister Jackie, all of you guys. We're grateful for you worshiping with us today. Do me a favor, like this message, share it, uh, let other people know that we are digging into uh, a great series. For those of you who do not know, we're already uh, several weeks into a series entitled, Why Do I Need To? Uh, This series is designed uh, to encourage people to get an understanding of why we do what we do as believers. So again, this series title is Why Do I Need To? And we've talked about a lot of things as we've been dealing with why do I need to. Uh, we've talked about the about sowing. We've talked about giving. We've talked about all of these type of, uh, we talked about the difference between sowing and giving. We've talked about uh, so many different things. We talked about rejoicing. Uh, but th- you can find all of that on our past YouTube uh, clips. I'm not going to waste a lot of your time today, even though it wouldn't be a waste of time uh, going over it, but I want to encourage you to watch it so that you can get a full understanding of it. But today, we're going to be talking about a new topic, and that simple topic is why do I need to catch this, wait for it, because there's a scripture. Uh, Let's go with us to Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1, as we move further into the Word of God today. Jonah chapter 1, I want to read three verses for you, if you don't mind, uh, in Jonah chapter 1. And if you can find it in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. You can find it on the screen and just repeat after me and say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel and renewing me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus name. All of God's people said, Amen. Jonah chapter 1. I want to read three verses for you on today, if you don't mind. If you are uh, used to our custom of standing while we read the scripture, feel free to do so. Uh, If you feel like staying seated, I'm not mad at you. It's just we normally stand for scripture reading just to give God glory and honor. And so it's our way of just saying, God, thank you for giving us this word that you've dropped with us on today. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. 
I want to read to you. When you got it, say, I got it. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Follow along with me on the screen. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, and it reads like this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amatite, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, which was going to Tarshish, paid for the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. For a moment today, if you don't mind, I want to talk to you from the subject of matter of why do I need to serve? Why do I need to serve? You may be seated in the presence of God on today. Listen, this story of Jonah is, is one of the greatest stories that many people in the that have been a part of the church has probably ever heard. Uh, you've heard about the great fish that swallowed Jonah up. I want to give you a, a brief synopsis, a summary of what Jonah chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and 4 deal with. Jonah, for many of you who don't know, is considered a prophet. The responsibility of a prophet is not to tell you if you sold $500 that you're going to get a million. The responsibility of a prophet is not to tell you that everything in your life is going to be peaches and cream. Believe it or not, if a prophet came your way in biblical times, that was an issue. Because a prophet is utilized to be the voice of God to the people of God who were not listening. And so when prophets showed up on the scene, it means that God has a message for you that obviously you hadn't been listening to. So Jonah was one of these prophets. And God said, Jonah, I need you to serve. I need you. I'm calling you up. It's your turn. I need you to go to these people in Nineveh. Uh, I love these people, but the wickedness of these people has made it all the way up to me. It's not that they're being wicked on your level, but now what they're doing is infecting and impacting the kingdom of God. And so as a result of it, you need to go let them know if they don't change their ways, I'm going to put them down. It's going to be over. It's going to be a wrap. It's going to be done. Jonah was called up. If you play baseball, he was called up out of the dugout. Jonah, if you play football, was taken off a of second string and put on first string. Jonah, it was his time to get in the game. It was his time to serve. It was his time to make a difference. But Jonah said, listen, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be a part of your plan. I don't want to be a part of your process. And so instead of going to Nineveh, what Jonah elects to do, Jonah says, you know what? I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to catch this ship down to Tarshish. I'm going to pay to get away. I'm going to pay to get, ooh, that's a message right there in itself. Anytime that you try to run from the will of God, it's always going to cost you. Being faithful to what God wants you to do is free, but when you try to avoid what God is asking you to do, it's always going to cost you. It's going to cost you on your job. It's going to cost you in your finances. It's going to cost you in your relationship. Whenever you want to avoid what God wants you to do, you're going to have to pay to run away. So Jonah pays to get on this ship to run away. 
Jonah pays. He comes out of his pocket. He sacrifices. In other words, God is not providing the way. Now he is providing the way. Jonah gets on this ship to go to Tarshish. And the problem is that even though we try to run away from God, we never can get away. We are always in the presence of God. He tries to avoid the presence of God. The text tells us in verse 3 that he is running away to Tarshish from the presence of God. But the reality is, as children of God, we are always in his presence. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me when you have a little bitty baby. One of the favorite games that we always play with the little babies, we cover up our face so they can't see us. And then we peekaboo, and all of a sudden they smile, and oh, they're so happy. They see you. Can you imagine every time you think you don't see God, he just peekaboo. Here I am. I'm watching everything that you do at night on your phone, on your computer. Peekaboo. I see everything that you do. You thought you got away, but the reality is that I am still yet with you. This is what happens in the text. Jonah's playing peekaboo with God. He runs away. He hides at the bottom of the ship. And if you read your Bible, you will know that a great storm comes. A great storm comes across, and what ends up happening is the men of the ship begin to panic. They pray to their gods, but their gods aren't real gods, so things aren't happening. Things aren't changing, and so they begin to throw things over. Can I help you understand? Not only when you run away will you have to pay, but anybody that's connected to you while you're being disobedient to the will of God, it's going to cost them too. Ooh, y'all missed that. You wonder why when you connect to somebody that's not doing the right thing and that you are doing the right thing, that it brings you down. It, the Bible tells us that light and darkness has no fellowship. You can't be with God but hanging with a fool. Ooh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get in your business. You have to understand that righteousness can't hang out with ruggedness. It, it's just a, a difference of behavior that we have to understand that we cannot be double-minded. The Bible says, choose ye this day whom you will serve. Will it be God or will it be man? And so here it is in the midst that Jonah is supposed to serve God, but he's running away. And as a result of it, other people are now being drugged down because of his decisions. Can I help you somebody today? I know that you're a believer. I know that you're minding your business. I know that you're doing what you're supposed to do. Can I help you? Sometimes you just got to drop the extra weight. You got to let people go that you've been holding on to that you're never supposed to be with in the first place. Jonah had no right to be in that boat. That boat is a freight boat. It was designed to take goods from one place to another. And right now, Jonah wasn't good. Jonah was running from the will of God. I want to talk to some young lady right now that thinks that you got to settle for an ungodly man just because you want a man. Can I help you understand that God has the right man for you? I want to make sure that you understand that you don't just have to settle for any job. Maybe God ain't calling you to work to nine to five. Maybe he wants you to create a company. Maybe he wants you to do something. But you have to be willing to hear the voice of God and do what God says. So Jonah is on this boat. Jonah is on this boat. Y'all going to make a mess around and make me preach this thing today. Jonah is on this boat, on the bottom of the boat, being lazy because he thinks he even paid for his way out. He ain't got to do nothing. And on top of the boat, everybody is panicking. They're throwing their cargo over because they're wanting to lighten the boat so that it won't flip, so that it'll, it'll remain up while the storm. And they go wake up Jonah and say, Jonah, what's wrong with you? Why? How can you sleep at a time like this? 
when things are good. Get up and pray to your God so that maybe he will redeem us. He will deliver. And Jonah don't have to pray because he already know that he's the problem. He looks at him. He says, y'all can throw what y'all want to throw, but it ain't going to change anything. Let me tell you, the reason why y'all are going through what y'all are going through is because of me. The reason why the, sink, the ship is going to sink is because I'm the one that's the dead weight. I'm the wrong one that doesn't need to be here. And, and the reality is that once they find out that Jonah's the problem, they try to hold on just a little bit longer because they don't want it to be on their hands that Jonah fell. Can I help you? Some, some young lady, some young man, you in a relationship because you think if you let them go that they're going to be worse off than what they are with you. Let me tell you, baby, I can do bad all by myself. I don't need anybody else to bring me down. See, you think that your responsibility is to save someone else. You have no ability to save. You might have the ability to lead, but you have no ability to save. And so they finally come to a point where they realize there's nothing else we can throw over. We already finna have to give everybody their money back once we get to Tarsus. So instead, I just need to preserve myself. Can I help you understand something? Self-preservation is an amazing thing. It kicks in at, right, at, right, at, the, at just the right time. And so they come to the point where they are about to die. And they say, Jonah, listen, we're going to pray to your God because what we don't want is this blood to be on our hands. But I'm sorry, homie, you got to go. You got to get up off this ship right now. Uh, you've brought us down enough. You've made my life problematic when we had no problem. We've never seen a storm like this before. So let me help you understand, as Cam was just saying, we got to kick you to the side, homeboy. I'm going to help you get up off this ship. And so they throw Jonah overboard. And it's amazing because the storm stops. Can I help you understand if, you, if you're tired of struggling, stop doing what you think is right and do what God says is right. Instantly, when they got rid of the dead weight, the storm stops. Can I help you understand? I told you earlier that people aren't your problem. Your job isn't to save them. Can I help you? They were worried about Jonah being put to death, but the catch is that God had already positioned a safety net in the body of the whale for Jonah. He had already positioned to say to him, can I help you? Sometimes you got to get out of the way for people to grow up. Sometimes you have to get out of the way for them to develop and become exactly who they want to be. I was one of those people. I was hard-headed. Can I help, help somebody on today? I was hard-headed. They would tell us that when you know they're cooking them cookies, peanut butter cookies was my favorite because you put them on in the oven, you put them on the pans before you put them in the oven, and you grab the fork, and you put those little cross marks, them hash. Y'all don't know nothing about peanut butter cookies. Y'all might be oatmeal and chocolate chip cookies, but, but the peanut butter cookies with the milk, it was just so amazing for me back then. And, 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 and we had one of those ovens that you could look and the glass. You could look inside the glass and you could see the ball of dough begin to spread and to separate. You can see that begin to flatten and then build up. You could smell the sweet aroma of peanut butter cookies. And every once in a while, I would go to that oven and I would look and I would be amazed because I was like, once it gets brown enough, I know that it's going to come out. I know it's going to come out. My mom didn't turn on the light for me. She didn't turn on the light because it's a light inside the oven that allows you to see the cookies. And so because the light wasn't on, I needed to get close enough to see the cookies being cooked inside the oven. Mom and dad always said, boy, don't touch that oven. Touch that oven. It's going to burn you. 
For a while, when I was younger, they would always, when I was in the kitchen, they would grab me and pull me away and say, don't do that. They would always, but I guess I hit an age where they knew I knew better. And I, I remember one day they were just sitting there. My mom was just sitting there looking at me. And here I am looking in the oven, and, and I get to the oven. I put my hands on the oven, and instantly I pulled back because my hands were burnt because of the fact the glass was hot. It looked good. It looked like it was supposed to be where I was supposed to be. It looked like I can get closer, but it was hot. And some lessons you just have to learn the hard way. Some lessons you just have to learn the hard way. Let me, well, not really. Some people just have to learn the hard way. And so it's not your job to always save people because if you spend your life saving people, guess what you will do for the rest of your life? Saving people. If you're so busy saving people, guess what you can't do? You can't live your own life. How do you enjoy your own life if you spend your whole time worrying about playing Captain Saver for everybody else? It's not your job. It's not your responsibility. You have to be willing to get out of the way. You have to be willing to get out of the way. So they kicked Jonah off the boat. Homeboy, you got to go. And when they kicked him off, it was a great fish. Great fish. I call it a shark well because the shark well is the only well that we know of that exists still today that has what they call two bellies. They have two bellies. One is actually for the food that they want to eat and digest, and the other one is a storage compartment for what they don't want to eat, and then they just release it. And the reason I think that maybe it was a shark well, I can't say for sure, but I, maybe it's a shark well because of what this fish did. This fish, Jonah was in the belly of this fish for three days. The belly of the fish for three days, the one stomach that is designed to, to decompose things, eat things, break things down. Jonah was not in that belly, but Jonah may have just been in the belly that says, I I just want to hold you for a little while. I want to make sure that you're okay. I want to get you to the safe place. Can I help you understand some of the worst places, some of the stinkiest places in your life? God has placed you there just to hold you and keep you safe. You may not want to be there. It may feel like this is not where you're supposed to be, but because of some of the decisions that we made in our past, this is the best place that we can possibly be so that God can get our attention. Jonah was there in the belly of the whale. Three days. So the biblical Torah t tells us. And then eventually he got his head on right. And he said, you know what? Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. I will submit to your will. I will submit to your way. Bible tells us as we read the text that he made record time getting to Nineveh. So even when he ran away still, God made sure that he was there on time. He was there when he was supposed to be. Can I help you understand the relevance of that? Because you can never miss the blessing or the call that God has for you. He will always make sure that you're there on time. Once you say yes, he'll provide the way. Jonah gets to Nineveh. He runs through the city and he tells them, listen, man, y'all jacked up. Where's the king? I need to talk to y'all. Y'all got problems. God is going to come. He's going to put y'all down. Y'all don't fix it. It's over. The king is so frustrated and he's like no this can't be he instantly tells people that listen we are now going on a fast we're going to talk about the benefits of fasting next week he's now going on a fast he tells don't know animals eat don't know people eat everybody sit down be quiet take off your best clothes put on sackcloth if y'all have never known what sackcloth is if you grew up in the old school and you were doing uh, uh what they call the sack races it's that raggedy rugged rough cloth that rubs against your skin it just doesn't feel good he he told everybody, put this on right now and sit down, pray. It's all you can do and hope that God changes his ways, changes his mind. And God does. God changes his mind. The people of Nineveh are redeemed. 
They're praising God. Jonah has other problems because he's sitting up under a tree complaining about everything, which we can talk about that later. But I want to talk to you today about why do I need to serve? Because there's a lot of people that think that they can come to church just to seek, that they can watch online just to seek. As long as I come and I put something in an offering plate, I'm, I'm good. But the reality is that God has called all of us to the ministry of serving. There is not a person in the church, physically or digitally, that should not be serving. Somebody saying, well, Pastor, I'm not at the church right now. How can I serve? You could be connecting with people. You could be chatting with people right now online, encouraging them to preach on. You can encourage them to live the life that God's supposed to do. Everybody should be serving in some way, form, or fashion. But some of us don't know why we should serve. And today I want to take a minute to teach you why we should serve. I have an acronym for serve, and that acronym is simply HELP. The word help, H-E-L-P. And I want you to understand today that when we serve, we help. Have you ever noticed that most of the time I'm preaching, all I ever say is, can I help somebody? All I want to do is help somebody. Helping is my life. That's what I'm called to do. When I serve God, whether it's from here preaching, whether it's singing, whether it's sweeping floors, building stages, whether it's at work, when I'm serving God, I am called to help. When God calls my name, I have to be prepared to help. That's what God calls us to do when we call to serve. My granddaddy used to say this when he got up to pray at churches a long time ago. He says, all I want to do is be a help and not a hindrance. That's what he would say. So I want to make sure that you understand today, if you're a part of the kingdom of God or the church of God, and you're not being a help, can I help you understand what you are? A hindrance. Ooh, y'all got some preaching people with me today. You have nothing else that you could possibly be except a hindrance. Why? Because you're not pushing us forward, and anything that's not pushing us forward is holding us back. Mm. When you're not willing to serve God and share the word of God, you're not pushing the kingdom agenda of God forward. So therefore, you're holding them back. Can I help you understand that not only does serving have to do with the church, but serving has to do with your life as well? Can I help you realize today that in your relationship that you are called to serve if you're a husband and wife, husbands are called to serve wives, wives are called to serve husbands. And when you're not serving, you're living a selfish life. And as a result of it, you're not pushing us forward, but you're pulling us back. Ooh, can I help you understand that on your job, you're called to serve. You work to get a paycheck. You're called to do, help us propel and move things forward. But when you don't want to serve, all you're doing is not pushing us forward, but you're holding us back. You want to be mad because you got fired. It's nobody's fault except yours. We brought you because we thought that you were going to help us get somewhere. But we come to find out that you're selfish. All you do is care about yourself. You want to hold us back. You don't want to push us forward. Nobody wants to be in a toxic relationship that's going to cause us to fall. I don't want to be on a ship with somebody that's going to break me down when God is trying to lead me somewhere. I don't mind helping someone, but eventually the person who gets help has to become the helper. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're supposed to do. In other words, you're, in otherwise, you're just draining. You're taking, you're taking. You are a leech. Ooh, don't, don't, don't turn me off. Don't turn me off. 
If all you're doing is logging in Sunday after Sunday and not asking yourself, how can I do better? You are leeching. You're not helping. So we have to get to a point where we all understand that we are called to serve. It should not be the five of the same six people serving in the church. It should not be the same person in your relationship serving all the time. We have to get out of our selfish mentality. And in order to do that, I know I just lost two, three people online, but the rest of you that are still here today, I want to help you understand why we need to serve. Help. Help is why we need to serve. H-E-L-P. It has four distinct meanings. I want to give them to you real quick. They're not going to be on the screen. Write them down and I'll help you understand what they mean. Help. H simply stands for honor. E stands for express. L stands for leads. And P stands for produce. Honor, express, lead, produce. I want to help you understand how these things work and how Jonah lacked the spirit of help. He lacked the ability to want to help somebody. And as a result of it, it made his life worse. But when he finally said yes to helping, it not only made him better, but it made somebody else better. Can I help you understand the reason why most people don't want to help is because they're so selfish that they think that if I help you, I'm hurting myself. But the reality is that when you're helping somebody else, you're not only helping them, but you're also helping them, helping yourself. Can I help you understand that there are times where God has called me to help and I didn't even think I was good enough to help. But once I helped, it reaffirmed how much God was working in my life. It reaffirmed how much more I had grown. In other words, I had elevated myself to another level and as a result of it I know that God is with me can I help you understand as a small church pastor no reason that anybody should be calling me asking how do you design this how do you set this up how do you I have pastors that reach out to me all the time man you're doing some amazing thing I'm like really I can't tell I ain't got number 10 15 people right now during COVID coming to church he's like man you just really making some strides can you come over and teach our church how to do this I've been called to help. I've been called to help, so I want to help you understand how this acronym functions, because I want you to start walking around in your life and asking yourself, can I help somebody? You just want to look around. Our whole ministry staff going to start walking around with a shirt that say, can I help somebody? Because helping is what we're called to do. When I think about the H, when I think about honoring, I want you to understand point number one is this. The reason why we serve is because serving honors God. Serving honors God. God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh. When Jonah said no, he was dishonoring God. I want to make sure that you understand, as believers, we are called to honor God. When God asks us to serve, we must be willing to do so. Why? Because it is an act of honoring God. Write this text down, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Read it in your own time. But Paul writes to the people of Rome, and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to do what? Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When we serve, when we say, God, use me, it is our act of worshiping God. We are honoring him, worship, honor him, applauding. You are great. You are amazing. Yes, you deserve more. I will do whatever it is that you've asked me to do. It is our worship. That's what serving is. It's our worship. 
You should never walk around with saying, I don't think I need, I'm needed or I don't have to get involved or they don't need me. God always needs you. He will leave the 99 just to get the one. We know that he, the one is as valuable as the rest of them. He needs you. And when you serve, you're honoring God. You think every week I want to spend countless hours preparing a text to teach to somebody else while also still trying to study and grow myself? But it's my service that God has called me to do. It's what God has called me to do. And so I have to present my body as a living sacrifice. I can't serve him when I'm dead. I need to be when I'm dead. I need to stand before him. And he says, my good and faithful servant, well done. He can't say well done to his servant that never serves, that never does what he's asking them to do. Many of us wants to get praise and glory for not doing anything. For not doing anything, you know, one of the things that Josh laughs about, uh, and I'm happy that Josh is back in the building, one of the things that he laughs about, oftentimes when I do things and I complete a project, I don't take the credit, I give it to somebody else. It probably was blowing Josh's mind. I would do something and we would fix it and things would be great, and uh, I was like, man, Josh, you figured that out. That was amazing, and Josh would look at me and laugh and be like, Pastor, you did it. No, 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 and see, I, I was a psych major when I went to school, and so sometimes I understand that you got to pull into people what you want to get out of them, and so even though I did it, listen, I'm going to pull into you that you did it. Why? Because I want to put something inside of you that says, I want to be better. I want to do better. I can do better. If he did it, guess what? So can I. I want to encourage people that when you serve, it is your worship for God. It's you honoring God. So Jonah, when he says no, he dishonors God. And he says, God, I don't want to worship you. I want you to think about every time God has asked you to do something and you said no. When he's asked you to serve and you said no, I don't want to tell this people, person at the grocery store that Jesus loves you. People are going to look at me like I'm crazy. No, God, I, I don't want to pray for this person right now. No, God, I don't want to help uh, sing on a praise team even though I got a good verse voice. No, God, I don't want to greet people even though I have a wonderful smile. No, God, I don't want to come to church and help the church grow during COVID-19 uh, because I just want to stay comfortable in my bed now that I know I can watch church at home. Uh, how many times, sorry, people, don't hang up. Uh, uh, how many times have you told God no? How many times have you told him no? And I want you to understand today, and this is the raw truth, that every time you say no, you are telling him, listen, you ain't nobody to me. You, I don't owe you anything. And so if you want to know why should I serve, you should understand that I should serve because I want to worship God. It is my spiritual gift. It is what I'm called to do. So if you want to know why do I serve, number one, I serve to honor God. It's not that I honor man. There's a biblical text that tells us that when we work, we work as if we do it unto God. Not unto man. The reason being because men will never appreciate you. Just this morning, I knew I had to preach, but I was still serving. I was outside of the door, opening the door for people, offering masks to people who needed, offering hand sanitizing. It's not about the people. It's about God. I want to make sure that God's love is shared with people. I'm going to get to that. But right now, let's make sure that we honor God. Say yes to God. Help, help me. Just somebody online right now. Just put say yes. Put it right now. Just say yes because we should be walking around with a yes. Can I help you? We'll say yes to uh, Pookie and Shamil. We'll say yes to payday loans. We'll say yes to all the wrong things. But why don't we say yes to God? Can we get a yes in our spirit? I, 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 that's why the old saints used to walk around when the preacher get to preach. He just walk around at the end. He say, "Say yes." He was. He needs you to say yes. Can we get to a point where we say yes to God? Yes. 
So number one, if you really want to know why you have to serve, you have to serve because in serving, you're honoring God. Catch this, number two, the E in the honor, I mean the E in the help. Why do we serve? Serving expresses God's love. Serving expresses God's love. The reason why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh, he did not feel like the people of Nineveh were worthy. He said, listen, if I go and show them that what you said, all they're going to do is they're going to change their ways, and you being this great and merciful God, then you're going to let them get away with everything they need to do. So let's just skip the middle. Why do I need to go do that if you're going to do what you're going to do anyway? Just do what you're going to do. Leave me out of the equation. And so he says, I don't want to serve because I don't want to express the love of God. Catch this. I love 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to what? Serve one another as good, as good stewards of God's varied grace. When you share, when you serve, you are exemplifying the grace, the love of God. When Cam gets up here and sings and, and I hear the, the, the voice and how she's grown and, and the love that she has in her worship, I hear the voice of God. I hear God. I'm not worried about who's up there singing. The, the, the words are ministering to my spirit because it exposes me to the love of God. When you say, no, I do not want to serve, you are essentially saying, I don't want to help anybody. I don't want people to know how good you are. I don't want to testify of your goodness and your grace. I don't want anybody to know your value. I do not want to be an expression of your love. We just saw in Romans that it tells us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. When you serve, every part of you becomes a tool that is used by God. I'm going to help somebody that wants to be a part of the greeters meeting, right, ministry right now. You think just because you dress cute, cute that you can be a greeter. But if you can't keep your eyes under control and you steady rolling your eyes, that ain't the ministry for you because you are not expressing the love of God. If you open the door for some folks but won't open the door for other folks, that ain't the ministry of you because you are not willing to express the love of God. Some of us are bad expressions of who God is. Can I help you understand? That's why some people don't want to be a part of the church today because enough people who have said they are representation of the church, of the kingdom of God, have hurt so many people, have been, been the person that has pointed at them, that has put them down, that has kept their foot on their neck while they were going through and struggling. And as a result of it, if I'm already going through, why? Why do I want to be exposed to somebody that's going to hurt me more? You know what I do? I don't have problems when people are walking around smoking. So what you're drinking? So what you got issues? That's your personal problem. It used to be me too, if we can be honest. Instead of me pointing out your flaws, can I tell you how I serve such an amazing God that when I fell in love with God, I never had to do the same things that I used to do anymore? Maybe you don't understand that the reason why that person is struggling and drinking, jumping in and out of relationships is because they have not experienced the love of God. Oh! This is good today. Maybe if you did your job, more people would be doing better. You think because you've been elevated, because you can see they funk and what they're going through, that you can point at what they're going through and say, mm, look at you. You sorry. You worthless. Can I help you? You the one sorry and worthless because you're in a position that can elevate somebody else, but you ain't even helping nobody. We think that God has given us the higher position to point down, but really he's given us that position to reach out and lift up. But we don't want to serve. We don't want to serve because we want to be so dignified that, look, I've made it. 
I ain't who I used to be. God has changed me. But the reality is that he has every ability to change you, but you won't allow him to change you. Can I help you understand that some of us have not even crossed the threshold of what God wants to do with you? You thought it ended when you said yes to Jesus? Mm -mm, That was just the beginning. Can I help you understand that even the disciples who were fishermen were knew that they were called to be fishers of men, but they didn't understand the value and the validity of that calling until they were willing to not only say yes to Jesus, but when Jesus called them to go and share the gospel, that they actually seen what that mean. Y'all don't understand what I'm talking about. Y'all missing that? Okay, let me help you. Simon Peter, was he was a fisherman. Jesus met him in the boat. He was fishing. Jesus, he never caught anything that day. He was a worthless fisherman that day. Jesus told him to go out to the deep. He catches the greatest catch he ever had. Jesus says, leave leave it and follow me. He leaves it and follows him. He goes, he lives a life with Christ, but Christ is about to die. He's about to be crucified. He denies Jesus Christ three times and said, I don't know him. I wasn't part of him. I'm not with that crew. He does that three times before the rooster crows, but catch this. He finally says yes to Jesus after Jesus comes back and says, Simon, I need you to go share the gospel. There are people who need you. And as a result of it, we have the day of Pentecost where Simon Peter finally stood up and says, listen, what you're experiencing right now is of the Holy Spirit because Jesus Christ the Messiah was crucified and left and over 3,000 people came to the church. Can I help you understand just because you are not who God said you are going to be doesn't mean you don't need to behave like you're supposed to be. Simon can't be who God has called him to be until he acts like who he's got, who he's called to be. In other words, oh, this is for the hurts of feelings. You want to be a wife, act like a wife. You ain't got to be a wife yet, but act like a wife. That means keep yourself holy. Do what you're supposed to do. Honor yourself. Act like a wife, and maybe he'll give you a husband. You want to be a supervisor, you better act like a supervisor. Come to work when you're supposed to. Do what you're supposed to. Sometimes, oh, this is a faith talk right here. You got to be it before you achieve it. Can I help you understand that? God wants to do some amazing things in your life, but you got to act like, I ain't got 5,000 people yet, but I'm going to preach like I got 5,000. I'm going to preach like it's going down. I got a whole bunch of amens, people running around the church right now. Things are happening. I'm going to act like it because eventually if I act like it enough, he's going to see he's worthy of it. Let me go on and give it to him. But some of us want to act like it in public, but not carry it out in private. Ooh, that's a whole other sermon right now because your private worship is what's important to God. It ain't what you do in public because what you do in public is for people, but what you do in private is for God. That's what he sees. But let me get back to this text. Let me get back to this. So number one, we honor God. Serving honor God. Number two, uh, serving expresses God's love. We are called to be vessels that are expressions of God's love. That's what we're called to do. We're, we're called to express God's love. Number three, serving leads others to God. Why do I need to help somebody? Why do I need to serve? It's because serving is what leads others to God. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, you'll hear it said like this, for even the son of man came not to be served, but what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for what? Many. Jesus Christ, the God that we, we make crosses and put him on a cross, uh, put him crucified on a cross. We walk around and say, in his name, things will change. Even he came and said, listen, I don't want y'all to worship me. I came so y'all can worship the Father. I came to mend the relationship. I am God in the flesh, but the reality is I'm just a bridge to get you where you need to be. See, somebody attack me theologically because they'll say, Pastor, you're tripping. You, 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 you're speaking against the word. No, 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 this is the truth. This is the word. He said he came not to be served, but to serve. How do you come to serve? I serve as a bridge to connect you to the Father. 
See, some of us, oh, I, I'm, I'm treading thin waters here. Some of us, some of us are tripping because we don't know the Father and we're so caught up with the Son. Can, can, I, can, I, can I make this make sense? A bridge exists to take you from one point to a, another point. You know what a lot of us are doing right now? We said yes to Jesus and we just hanging out with a bridge party. We own the bridge. It's going down. But eventually, you know what you're doing while you're hanging out on the bridge? Enough of you get on that bridge and the bridge is going to break. Enough of you get on that bridge and you're impeding people from getting to the other side. The whole point was for you to get on the bridge to understand this is the way where you're supposed to be. Jesus says, I come not to be served. But to serve, can I help you something? Can I help you understand something? I don't preach to be praised, but for you to praise. I preach so that you can praise God. I, I, I like the amens. I like the applause. But the reality is you want to know what really changes my life, what really makes me feel good about it, is that when people take what I have shared, what God has downloaded in me, and I see a change, a transformation in your life. I see that you, I'm just a bridge. And serving, I'm just a bridge to get people where they need to be. I'm not your God. I'm sorry if you grew up in those times where pastors wanted to be worshipped. They needed to, I'm not against it. I preach at churches. Uh, well, I am against it. I don't have it. But when they have chairs in the pulpit with the thrones and everything, that ain't me. I don't need you to see me when I'm digging boogers in my nose. All I'm asking is I don't want to be worshipped. I sit on the front row. Because I want to be the first one to show you how to praise. I want to lift my hands. I want to help you sing. I want you to see, listen, get loose, do your thing. Uh, the best way for me to serve is not from a position of watching, but from a position of leading. And so as a believer, when I serve, I serve to lead other people. So when I find a person that says I'm saved, but I don't want to serve, I question your service. I question your, your salvation. Because how are you saved but you don't want to serve? How are you a disciple but you don't want to lead? Everybody should have a, a hunger and a thirst to lead in some capacity. Now, don't, just because you lead don't mean you're a leader. There's a difference. There's a difference. But that does not mean that you're not called to lead. And so you ask yourself, why do we serve? We serve because it leads others to God. So when Jonah says no to God, he not only, wants to, not only doesn't want to express God's love, but he doesn't want to bring about a change in people's lives that need it the most. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm so against serving your will, God, I'll pay just to get away. That's what he says. I will pay. I will pay the cost just to avoid helping somebody else. I don't know what was going through his mind other than what the Bible has shown us, but Jonah had had to be a selfish individual. To say that I just don't want to be involved in what you're asking me to do. So Jonah runs away because he doesn't want to lead other people out of what they're going through. Who have you looked at and looked down on that you are not willing to lead them out of what they're going through? You know, I used to see people on the street corner all the time asking for money, and I used to think that helping them was giving them money. Everybody don't run here giving people money on the street corner because I found out some of them make more money than I do. But the reality is that some of them need other type of help. Some of them need just, hey, while I'm here at the red light, man, I can't give you no money, but can I pray for you real quick? 
hey, what are you and your, your family going through? Let me give you information on where you can go. Because I can lead you somewhere that can do more than what I can. Let me lead you to where you need to be. I love the way our church is set up when it's fully functional. We have our parking lot ministry, which is designed to lead people in. We have a designated area that's reserved for guest parking. Uh, We should have men and women out in the parking lot leading people in to where they're supposed to be. Members where they're supposed to be, guests where they're supposed to be. Then there should be people stationed in the the front area of the building, uh, not in the foyer, but on the outside of the building, waving and hugging. Why? Because they should be leading people to the door. Hey, this way, if you need to know where you need to go, we're so grateful for you being here. Then once they get in, it's supposed to be somebody in the atrium, the foyer area, that says, you know what, let me lead you into the sanctuary because I want to make sure that you know where the restrooms are, where the children's area is, where you need to be seated. Everything is about leading people who need to be led, who's never experienced it before, and make sure they know everything that there's. You should hunger and thirst to be a part of the leadership and leading people where they need to go. So the reason we help people is because it honor God. The reason we help people is because it expresses God's love. The reason we help people because it leads others to God. We're called to serve but not be served. Catch this, number four, and this is it, and we'll close. Uh, We serve because serving produces God's plan. I want to help you understand serving produces God's plan. Before you serve, it's just a thought. It's just a plan of God. But when you serve, it becomes a reality of God. Your serving is what takes it from a plan to being in full fruition. But in order for that to happen, someone has to serve. Someone has to serve. I think about a biblical text that reminds me, one of my favorite scriptures growing up, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. A lot of people don't read verse 38. They get caught up on verse 37, which is a good text, but verse 38 is what gives it real power. It reads like this. Verse 37 says, then he said to his disciples, because Jesus has just healed and delivered somebody, brought them out uh, of bondage and darkness. They had demons in them, cast them out, and people were free, and people were just amazed, and they were in awe, and they didn't know what to do. They were so confused. They were so perplexed. They were all around. Things just was, it was just so weird at that time, and the disciples were there with Jesus, and all of these people were just in so, such a spirit of awe because of what Jesus has done. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 says it like this. He says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are, if you read uh, the, the uh, yeah, the laborers, the King James, the laborers are few. In other words, it's a lot out there that we can get, but we ain't got enough help. And so that's where a lot of people stop right there. Red Oak, Glen Heights, Lancaster, DeSoto, Dallas, it's a lot out there we can get. But do we have enough workers? Do we have enough laborers? Do we have enough people that are willing to serve to make it happen? So many people stop right there, but what I've learned is I got to, just because I read verse 37 don't mean I can't act out on verse 38 because God never shows us a problem without helping us find a way to the promise. And so what I love about 38, this is what he says, therefore, beseech the Lord, in other words, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Can I help you understand something? I'm excited to preach this message today because what I feel like I have done is I've beseeched God that you've called us to a a season of service, that you've called the church to go outside of the walls to do what they're supposed to do, what they should have been doing in the first place. And I have beseeched you that in this season, while more people need to see you, that I beseech you that, God, you bring your people out 
and you put them to work. I'm beseeching that you bring them out and put them to work. Why? Because when we serve, we produce God's plan. Until you are willing to serve, what God wants to do with you can never happen. This stage that me and Cam built, stage, it was just wood when we first got it. It was wood from Home Depot, brought in on a trailer. It wasn't nothing. But we had to get down on our knees, cut it up, measure it, argue, dispute, serve. And we were able to create a stage. And got so good at what we did, we said, we're going to create a step to go on the stage. It was amazing. But can I help you understand something? It did not stop there. Young fella, Raymond Parker, maybe the Parker family is watching today online. They're part of our church. He came to church and he seen that we had a wood stage that just didn't look like it fit our decor. It was this, this pale wood. And he says, Pastor, we need carpet on that stage. Say, yeah, you're right, but our budget don't say we can get carpet. He says, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve through sewing. He goes and gets the carpet, doesn't lay carpet, but he gets the carpet and brings it so that we can find somebody else that's willing to serve. Can I help you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to complete the full project. You just have to be part of the process. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just do your part. The Bible tells us that one plants the seed, one waters it, but who gives the increase? God gives the increase. We are called to serve that leads to a produce an outcome that produces increase because it's part of God's plan. The increase in this biblical text in Jonah chapter 1 through 4 was that Nineveh needed to change in order to experience the goodness of God. Jonah said, no, I don't want to serve. So he was denying God increase. How was he denying God increase? Because he didn't want to worship. He didn't want to submit to the will of God because he didn't want to express God's love because he didn't want to lead others out of their situation. And as a result of him not wanting to, to, to honor without him wanting to express, without him wanting to lead, it puts him in a place where he found himself being unable to produce until he says, you know what, God? Yes, I will help. Can I help you understand when you're helping, and I'm closing right here, when you're helping people, it's really about you helping God. There was a problem at the beginning of the text that I told you about in Jonah chapter 1 when we read verse 1 through 3. God reads it. I want to read it back to you right now. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amanatite, and said, Arise, go to Nineveh, to the great city, and cry out against them, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. The problem was not that Nineveh needed grace. The problem was that wickedness had came up before God. When you serve, you should always look at it as how am I helping God fix the problem that he's experiencing? Not just about how am I helping people experience what they're going through. Because I can tell you, and I mean this with all the blood in my vein, people will make you not want to serve. That's just the reality. People will get on your nerves. People will act funny and finicky. If there's nobody else that knows that more than you, I do. As a pastor, all I want to do is help people. All I want to do is share the gospel. All I want to see is their marriages become the best. All I want to see is their finances become the best. But you know what I end up experiencing more than anything? Oh, he think he better than us. Oh, he just want what I got. No, 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 no. I don't want anything you got. 
What I want is the best for you. Just like I got a pastor that wants the best for me. You think I like it every time he says, you don't need to buy a big building. You don't need to do this. Now, during COVID-19, I am so grateful I did not go and purchase a big building. Then I had a pastor that told me, let the church grow organically. Because now I'm not in a situation where I got to stand up and say, please, cash app us right now. If you don't, we ain't going to make it. He says, let it grow organically. And now we've set up roots where people, they are really connected to this ministry and they really want to be a part of the growth. We are called to serve. This is it. Why do you need to serve? Because when you serve, you help. You honor God. You expose people to his love. You lead people out of their situations and you produce what is already part of God's plan. The question is, do you want to be a part of the process? And this is all I got to say. As my granddad has said, you should want to be a help and not be a hindrance. So wherever you are in your life, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's on your job, whether it's in this church, whether it's just part of the kingdom, ask yourself, am I serving to my full potential? Am I serving to my full potential? And if you can say, yes, I'm serving to my full potential, then you, I applaud you. You are amazing. You need to be raptured up. It's time. But the reality is that even though I get up here every Sunday, I'm still not serving to my full potential. And I want to be better. So my question is not, God, when can I serve you? It's, God, what else can I do for you? What else do you want? So this is what I want to do. I want to pray for you in this place. I want to pray for you as we leave here on today. I want to pray that God moves in your life. Father God, I pray for every person that's in this building. I pray for everything that we're going through. God, I pray for everybody that's watching online. I thank you for this message that's so rich, that's full of power, God. I pray that right now that it has not been released to return void. God, we don't need a boomerang in this place today, but we need a dart. We need something that has been thrown out that's going to stick to its surface and allow people to build from it. So God, right now, I lift up your people, whether they're in-house or they're online. I lift them up. And God, I'm praying that right now, a spirit of serving, begins to grow throughout this place that people ask what can I do where can I fit in and God I pray as a ministry that is growing that we begin to produce an environment where they can serve Lord I want to lift up the people here today and online that have not accepted Jesus Christ as the personal Savior God he came to serve so God I pray that they will right now confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that he has truly come to redeem them from their sins. And all they have to do is say, yes. Yes to your will, yes to your way. Allow them to confess with their mouth and believe it in their heart. And from this day forth, they can be saved. And I know that journey is not easy because now that they've said yes, now that they believe. So God, I pray that you connect them to a ministry, whether it's this ministry or a local ministry, wherever they are, that can grow with them that can help them through this journey, through this process. And God, if we're able to do that, then God, let us serve in the way that you want us to serve. Let us be willing. For every believer that's going through a struggle, that's going through a storm, that's found themselves caught in the belly of the great fish right now, in their marriage, in their job, they are in a holding place. God, let them 
think back to what you've asked them to do. And God, I pray that they say yes to you so that they can make record time to their destination. Let them know that where they are is not designed to hurt them, so stop fighting against it. Let them know that this is designed to help them to get to where they need to be. It's a means of transportation. It's just part of the process. And God, as you begin to deliver and bring people out and elevate them, God, we will give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. God, we thank you. And we magnify your holy name. This is our prayer in Jesus' name and all of God's people said. Come on, let's give God a What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at believercity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows your heart to do so. Uh, You can also download our app by going to Google Play or the app store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.